The Sangha is invited to come back to our breathing so that the collective energy of mindfulness can bring us together as an organism, flowing as a river with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, listen as one body, chant as one body, transcending the boundaries of a delusive self liberating us from the superiority complex, the inferiority complex, and the equality complex.
Good morning, dear Sangha. Good morning, dear friends. Today is uh, the 13th of October, October 2013, and we are in the Ocean of Peace Meditation Hall, Deer Park Monastery, on our third day of the retreat with the theme of Finding Our True Home. We should consume in such a way that uh, we could uh, maintain and preserve uh, compassion in our heart. Without compassion, one cannot be happy. Sense impressions is the kind of food that we uh, take from the way of the eyes, ear, nose, tongue, body, and mind. And uh, the items that we consume every day might contain a lot of uh, poisons and toxins. Uh, Television, uh, magazines, books, internet, conversations might contain a lot of toxins like uh, craving, anger, fear, despair. And we should consume uh, mindfully to protect ourselves and protect our our family. And volition is the kind of uh, energy that gives us um, the strength to continue with our life. That is our deepest desire. That is what we want to do with our life. We have a purpose because our life is not just to, to seek for uh, material comforts or affective comforts. We want to do something meaningful, long-lasting with our life. And that is a volition. That is our deepest asp- aspiration. That is our motivation. And that is a source of food because it gives us strength. You know what you want. And if uh, what we want is only fame, uh, wealth, Uh, power and sensual pleasure, that is not good food because many people have been running after these objects of their craving and they have destroyed their body and their mind. And even those who have a lot of them still suffer a lot. So we have to uh, sit down and look to see whether these uh, four uh, objects of cravings are really uh, what we want with our life or we want something else. It's very, uh, very nice if uh, you sit with your partner and you discuss with her or him about what he wants to do with his life. Darling, what do you want to do the most, what you, what is your dream? And uh, that is, uh, that is our ultimate concern. The daily concerns are material comforts 
and uh, affective concern, uh, com comfort. But you want something else, something deeper. And you have to, you have to, to get the time to sit with your father and ask, Daddy, what is your dream? What is the most important thing you want to do with your life? Can you share with me, your son, your daughter? When you were young, what was your dream? What did you want to do with your life? Please tell us. Uh, can I help you, Father, to realize your dream because I am your continuation? And when we talk with each other like that, we can open the heart of each other because you are the continuation of your father, of your mother. And uh, Buddhas and Bodhisattvas also have their dreams, their volition. They want to do something, to be something for the world. And uh, it's very clear that in the teaching of the Buddha, uh, suffering is uh, the first uh, awareness. The first noble truth is uh, suffering, the pain. And many of us do not know how to handle the pain in ourselves. Do not know how to uh, embrace our pain and get a relief. Many of us do not know how to uh, transform the pain. And the way most people do is to uh, run away from our pain uh, or try to cover up our pain by the way of con consumption. And as we consume uh, not mindfully, we get more uh, poisons into our body and to our mind, our consciousness. And that is why um, uh, that tendency to run away from ourselves, uh, to seek uh, forgetfulness, to seek, to, uh, to, seek uh, to forget for a while uh, the pain is in us, that is in us, make us uh, alienated from ourselves. We, not, we are not with ourselves. We, try, we are trying to run away from ourselves. And as uh, we try to run away for, from ourselves, we try to run away also from our beloved ones. We, we become alienated from our family. And when we run after some kind of, um, some objects of craving, we also abandon our family. We do not have time to take care of ourselves, of course, but we do not have the time to take care of our beloved ones either. When you do not know how to take care of yourself, how can you take care of your beloved ones? So you are alienated from also from your family and uh, alienated from also from nature. 
nature has the power to heal and to nourish. And when you pursue the object of your craving, not only you do not care for nature, but you continue to cause damage to nature. So the, what happened is alienation from self, from families, and from nature. Maybe you want to become number one. Your corporation become number one. You want social recognition. You want, you want fame, but you are running away from the most important uh, things that are that is yourself, your family, and nature. So, if uh, a corporate leader, an executive uh, leader, uh, have the time, has the time to look deeply and see the suffering, not only of himself, of themselves, but also of the world. People are running away from themselves, from their families, and from nature. Maybe a new kind of volition can be born. A new kind of desire, a new kind of aspiration may be born. That is, uh, to do something in order to help people to go back to themselves to go back to their family and to go back to nature and preserve Mother Earth. Because people are going in the wrong direction. They are losing themselves in consumption. They think only of selling their products. They think only of buying products in order to cover up the suffering. And that's what most people are doing. So your corporation, instead of trying to to help people uh, running away from themselves, from their family and from nature, you might, you might take it as your aim the kind, of, uh, the kind of work, the kind of achievement that can help people go home to yourself, to themselves, to go home to their uh, families, and to go home to, uh, to nature. And that is a new direction for, for civilization. You are producing products to help people forget themselves, to run away from themselves. You are trying to sell the kind of products that help people to run away from themselves. Now can you do the opposite? You produce such a kind of thing that can help people go, go home to themselves. Suppose you have an electronic device that can tell people that uh, they have a lot of uh, tension in their body and uh, they can remind people, remind them from going back and breathe and release the tension in the body. You have a kind of uh, gadget that can detect adrenaline, the amount uh, the, uh, in, your, in, in your blood. They can detect the mental formation that is uh, manifesting in you, anger, and remind you to go home to breathe and to calm down, 
the anger in you. In Plum Lake, we have designed a what we call a now what. Brother Pháp Tien, uh, he was a novice, and, and Thay, we, we sit together and design that watch. And every time we look for our, it's so now. <laughs> and uh, we have a chance to go back and uh, establish ourselves in the present moment, because now is the most important time. It's time to enjoy being alive. It's time to breathe and to touch the wonders of life. And uh, this, when uh, I sit in a hammock or I lie on my bed, I allow this sound to guide me in mindful breathing. Breathing in. Three seconds, breathe now five seconds. Breathe in four seconds, breathe now six seconds. And I, it helped me stop completely my thinking and just um, enjoy my breathing until I go to sleep. So this is a very simple, simple gadget. <laughs> and uh, Last, um, last May, we had a retreat in Hong Kong with 1,300 uh, people. And I told them that uh, in the last 30 years, I have not used a telephone. And I can survive very well. <laughs> <coughs> Many people think that they cannot survive without the telephone. And uh, I have not lost uh, contact with uh, my friends, especially with the younger generation. I still have good connection with them. Because I have been using deep listening and love and speech, and that is why I stay connected with uh, my students, my friends. And I have never lost uh, contact with the younger generation. People believe that if they have uh, electronic devices, they can keep in touch with each other. But we know that uh, communication has become very difficult between uh, father and son, mother and daughter, husband and wife. It's not this uh, gadget that can help you communicate. It is uh, your mindfulness when you speak or when you listen. I told uh, the, the people in the retreat in Hong Kong that uh, in the morning, when they go from their home to uh, their house, to the bus station or the train station uh, to go to work, because most of the people in Hong Kong, they do not drive. Uh, to their workplace. 
the number of people who, who drive to their workplace is very small. Most of them use uh, train and bus. So I suggest that uh, leaving home, leaving the home, walking to the train station, they apply the techniques of uh, mindful walking. If uh, they can stop thinking, if they can touch uh, the ground uh, with their feet in mindfulness, and touch the wonders of life in the here and the now. And then every step can be healing and, uh, and nourishing. And uh, they remember that um, that teacher is doing the same time, the same thing, wherever he is. And uh, they can connect with uh, that teacher at that moment. And they don't need the telephone in order to do so. I said that if you, you, while you are walking mindfully and producing uh, the energy of mindfulness and joy by the walking, you are connected with me at that time. And you can get my energy if you need. In Plum Village, uh, no one of us has uh, a bank account, private bank account. There are many hundred people, monastic and lay, living together. No one has a private home, a private car. Everything uh, belongs to the community. We do, do not get any salary at all. And yet we consider ourselves to be a kind of enterprise a kind of cooperation also. Because we want to uh, practice, to stay with, together as a Sangha to practice. We know that uh, organizing a retreat for people to come and practice and, 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 and transform and reconcile can bring us a lot of joy. And that is our nourishment, our reward our happiness. And we know that uh, if uh, we do not have enough joy and happiness in our uh, own community, if we do not have enough harmony and brotherhood and sisterhood, we cannot do that. And that is why uh, we have the time to sit together, to eat together, to work together, uh, to, to share together so that uh, harmony and happiness and joy and brotherhood become uh, the daily uh, nourishment. And then on that uh, foundation, we can organize and help people to, uh, to, to suffer less and to experience joy and happiness and reconciliation. We do a lot of things. Organizing a retreat requires a lot of uh, time and labor, uh, but uh, we learn how to do it as brothers and sisters in the community. And the work should not uh, uh, cause uh, tension and stress. 
and um, what uh, what we did we, we want to to make a demonstration that happiness is possible with uh, simple living. We don't have to consume a lot to spend a lot of money. And if we have uh, enough brotherhood, sisterhood, a mutual understanding and compassion, we can be very happy, very joyful, and we can help many people. So when we organize a retreat for business leaders, we want to tell them that they can, they can also organize so that their corporation become a happy community. First of all, the, the, the business leader has to come home to himself or herself. That is the first step. This is uh, the corporate leader. He has, instead of trying to, to reach out, he has to go home to himself. Because in him, in her, there is suffering, disharmony, and so on. And he has to learn how to go home to himself and sorting out and take care of himself. He's made of body, feelings, perceptions, mental formation, and consciousness. He has to be home to himself in order to take good care. He should learn how to create joy and happiness. He should know how to handle the pain in him so that he will suffer less. He will have enough joy to sustain himself. And then when he, he has done that, he can approach his partner and help her or him to do the same. Because love and healing should begin with yourself. So with yourself an example, uh, you can help uh, your partner to do the same, to help him or her to go back to herself and do the same thing. Learning how to breathe, to walk, to calm your body, to calm your mind, learning how to generate a feeling of joy and happiness to nourish themselves, learning how to handle uh, the pain in him or in her. So you become a co-practitioners. And when, uh, if you have a child, and then when you take care of yourself, you can take care also of your child and you have a family as the foundation in order to help uh, other people. In the case, you are a corporate leader, and then you, as uh, a happy family, harmonious family, 
you can help uh, people in a corporation. You have associate, you go to him, and you help him to, to, to go back to himself. The practice of, uh, of uh, deep listening, compassionate listening, is very important. First of all, you have to listen to yourself. Because uh, the wounded child in you is trying to tell you something. You should go home and take care of the wounded child in you. And when there is a harmony, there is a mutual understanding within, there is understanding and compassion in you, and then you can help the other person to do the same. First of all, your partner. And then your, your father, your mother, your son, your daughter. You say, darling, I know you have suffered a lot in the past. I was not able to help you to suffer less. Because I did not know how to. In fact, I have reacted in such a way that have made you suffer more. I'm sorry. It's not that I wanted to make you suffer. It's only because I did not see your suffering. I did not understand your suffering. That is why I have reacted in that way. It's not my intention to make you suffer. You get to, you got to help me. You should tell me, you'd help me by telling me about your suffering, your difficulties, your anguish, your despair, so that I can understand. I know that once I have understood your difficulties in your suffering, I would not react the same way I have in the past. Please help me. If you don't, who will help me? That is the kind of uh, language, the kind of speech that is called uh, uh, loving speech, gentle speech. And that is the object of the fourth uh, mindfulness training. And you can use that language. That language becomes natural. You don't have to force yourself to use that language. Once you have seen the suffering in him or in her, because every one of us has suffering inside. So once you have seen the suffering in that person, and you have seen also that that person does not know how to handle the suffering in him. So he continues to be, he continues to be victim of his own suffering. And if he makes people around him suffer, that's natural because uh, he does not know how to handle the suffering and his suffering spills over other people, including the people close to him. So once you have seen that, you are not angry anymore. Understanding suffering always brings about compassion. And with compassion in your heart, you don't suffer anymore. 
you are not angry anymore. And that is done quickly. You don't need a lot of time. Just look at that person and recognize the huge amount of suffering in him or in her. See that that person has been victim of his own uh, suffering. No one has helped him so far to suffer less and to transform the suffering. And you may be the first person who can help him to suffer less. So you do like uh, the Bodhisattva of deep listening. You come and listen to him. First of all, you use loving speech. There was a German gentleman on the fifth day of the retreat came to, uh, to see me and he said, Dear Thay, I could not believe that I can talk to my father that way before the retreat. I was so angry at him that I have made a vow not never to see him again in my life. And yet, during the, four day, the first four days of the retreat, the seed of compassion, understanding in me have been watered. I begin to see his suffering. I begin to understand the suffering of my father. That is why last night when I called him up, I found myself capable of talking to him gently like the way you have suggested yesterday. Because at the end of, uh, 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 during, this, uh, during the Dharma talk of the fourth day, everyone in the retreat uh, is requested to, to apply the teaching of loving speech and deep listening in order to reconcile with the other person. If the other person is in the retreat, that is easy. Because that person has been exposed to the teaching, the seeds of uh, the seeds of uh, of uh, understanding and compassion in him or in her have been watered. But if the other person is not there, and then you you have the authorization to use your telephone <laughs> and practice. Usually, uh, people uh, are asked to do it uh, before midnight on the fourth day of the retreat. <laughs> Dear Thay, he said, I was, I was surprised by myself. I didn't believe I can talk to him nicely like that at all. And that is not difficult to understand because uh, compassion was born in him. When he contemplated, he, when he contemplated the suffering of his father, he feel compassionate. That is why, very naturally, uh, he could uh, talk to him like that, and they were able to reconcile. At that time, dear Thay. The first thing I will do after this retreat and to go to see my father, he said. 
when the other person hear you speaking like that with compassion, with love, he will open his heart and he will tell you about his suffering and, and difficulties. And now you have the chance to, uh, to listen with compassion. That is uh, also the object of the fourth mindfulness training. Compassionate listening is an art. Because you know that if you can listen to the other person for one hour, that's very healing. That makes that person suffer much less. If you do have compassion in your heart, and during the time you, you sit and listen to the other person, you should uh, practice uh, mindfulness of compassion. You breathe in and out and keep your compassion alive during the whole time of listening. And that is not too difficult. You remind yourself of one thing. I'm listening to him or to her just for one purpose to help him or her suffer less. I try to make him or her suffer less. Just keep that alive. Because uh, if mindfulness, if compassion is maintained alive in your heart, what the other person say will not uh, trigger anger, irritation in you. You are protected by compassion. What the other person say may be full of wrong perceptions, bitterness, anger. But you are not going to interrupt him. Because if you know that if you interrupt him and correct him, you transform the session into a debate. And that will ruin everything. So with mindfulness of compassion alive, you tell yourself, poor fellow, he is victim of so many wrong perceptions. I am not going to interrupt him because I, because I can wait for a few days. And when there is a good time, I will offer him or her some information so that he can correct his perceptions. But not now, not now. <laughs> and that allows you to continue to sit and listen with compassion. And we know that listening like that uh, can be very healing. If uh, you are a psychotherapist, you know that if you listen with uh, not enough compassion, that will not help the other person very much. If you have too much suffering in yourself, if you do not know how to handle the suffering in yourself, and then your quality of listening will be poor, and you can help, not help the other person, your patient, to suffer less easily. So the psychotherapist has to practice. He, has, he should know the, the way to create a feeling of joy and happiness to nourish himself as a therapist. If he only listens to the story of sufferings, he will lose the balance. He cannot survive very long as a 
a healer. He should know how to generate joy and happiness for himself. He should know how to recognize and embrace his pain and transform it. Otherwise, he cannot be a good therapist for a long time. You have to nourish yourself and you have to help yourself before you can help uh, other people. We have offered many retreats of mindfulness everywhere, in Europe, in Asia, uh, in North America. Uh, and we know, we know that the miracle of reconciliation always happen in our retreats. It does not take a long time if you do the right practice. The right practice is to go back to yourself, recognizing your suffering and listening to your suffering. And then when you get lighter, you are in a position to understand the suffering of the other person much more easily. And when you see the suffering in her, in him, it's very easy for you to use loving speech. Darling, I know you have suffered a lot. I could not help you because I did not know how and because I have not seen the suffering in you. Now I have begun to see, so please help me. And many people cry when they hear, they hear that and they open their heart and they tell. So the practice of deep listening and loving speech can always restore communication. And reconcile. Basic practice should be taken up by ourselves. How to release the tension in our body, how to get in touch with the refreshing and healing elements of life in you and around you, to get nourished, how to handle a pain. And then you are in a situation to help the other person. Using loving speech and deep listening, you help your partner. To do the same, you have other members of your families to do the same. And then you are in a situation to start transforming your business, your corporation. And you may begin with one of all your colleagues, and you transform him into your ally, because he will be with you. You have to share with him what is your deepest volition, your deepest desire? What is your motivation in conducting this business? And if he shares the same aspiration, the same uh, motivation with you, he becomes your real ally. He is not there to get 
to get only only to get a job, to have a salary. You transform him into a dramaturg, a kind of uh, um, ally that will work with you to uh, to to help people suffer less. In Hong Kong, we have uh, also a, uh, a Asian Institute of uh, Applied Buddhism. In Germany, uh, uh, there is the European Institute of Applied Buddhism. We provide this kind of teaching and practice. In Hong Kong, there was a uh, corporate leader who uh, offer us a place, a temple, so that we can uh, set up the institute. We bring many, many uh, monastics and lay people there uh, in order to form uh, the core of uh, the institute. In order for transformation and healing to be possible, uh, teachers are not enough. Teachers of mindfulness are not enough. You got to have a sangha, a community of practice. Because uh, when people come and take a course and practice, they they profit from the collective energy of mindfulness and uh, and compassion. And teachers alone, dharma teachers alone, cannot do that. And the Buddha knew that. That is why after enlightenment, the first thing he did is to try and uh, find out elements of his sangha. When he came back to the city of Rajagraha, his monastic sangha was already 1,250 monks. Because before enlightenment, he was asked by King Bimisara to become his uh, teacher, the national teacher of uh, that kingdom. He said, no, I cannot be your teacher. I have not attained enlightenment. And uh, he promised that when he got enlightenment, he would come back and help the king rule in such a way that happiness and peace be possible in the in the kingdom of uh, Rajagra. So when he came back to, to the kingdom, he came back with a Sangha. He spent a lot of time training uh, his Sangha. He knew that a Buddha without a Sangha cannot do much. And I think this is uh, true with all of us. If we want to, to really help to change the world, we need a Sangha. You, as uh, a psychotherapist, you should have a Sangha behind you. Maybe a Sangha of psychotherapists, working together, sharing together, supporting each other, nourishing each other. And your insights will grow. 
your capacity of healing will grow. And you can preserve your strength, your energy. And Sangha is very important. If you are a corporate leader, and if you want to realize your dream, you can transform your family as a Sangha, and you can transform your corporation into a Sangha. Maybe, first of all, they come just to have a job and to have a salary to feed their family. <laughs> but you, you can, with your good practice, you transform him into an instrument of compassion, of love. Because you, you want your corporation to have a, a purpose. And the, noble, the noblest purpose is to help people to suffer less. And that is uh, volition, the third kind of nutriment. You have to be nourished by that aspiration, and you have to nourish your partner with that uh, aspiration, and then you begin to, to, uh, to nourish other people with aspiration. So Dr. Jung, who gave us uh, the place to set up the institute of Applied Buddhism Asia. He listened to me. He asked, uh, as a good uh, corporate leader, you have to listen to the many thousands of uh, workers in your corporation. All of them have difficulties. So you begin with uh, 30 people. You send 30 people to us to be trained in the art of deep listening and love and speech. And these people have to do it to succeed in their family first. They have to re-establish communication and harmony in their family first before they are sent to talk to every member of the corporation. And they will say, uh, the chief uh, of our corporation, the chief uh, uh, executive of our corporation would like to inquire about your situation. They want to, to know what kind of difficulty you have beside the uh, material difficulties. You want to inquire about your family, yourself. And I'm here to listen to you and report to him. And uh, they have to listen to every member of the corporation like that. First of all, uh, employees feel that they are cared for. And uh, this is not only just um, doing the work in order to get a salary, but um, coming together as uh, a community, sharing the same purpose, and working in order to relieve the suffering of people. So the volition as food, the aspiration, the motivation of the leader should be shared by all members of the corporation.
a political leader should do the same, the same thing. He should have a sangha with him. He should have a sangha with him. They should share the same kind of motivation, the same kind of uh, volition. They should uh, master the art of deep listening and loving speech. They should come together as a strong uh, community. I hope uh, President Obama can be with Sangha like that. When uh, Martin Luther King was alive, he was still alive, I had the opportunity to talk with him about Sangha building. First time I met him is uh, in 1966 in Chicago. The last time I met him in, is in Geneva during a conference for peace called uh, Cementeries, peace on earth. In Buddhism, he used the word Sangha community. But Martin Luther King uh, liked the expression the beloved community. And both of us knew that without a Sangha, we cannot do much. If you are not uh, supported by a Sangha that has harmony and brotherhood and sisterhood. If you don't share the same kind of vision and motivation, you, you do not have enough power. Even if you are uh, the commander of uh, the US Army, the president of uh, the United States of America, you feel that you don't, do not have enough power. I think the President Obama do, does not feel that he has enough power, very powerless. And the Buddha knew that, that is why he took a, a lot of time and energy to build his Sangha. Without a Sangha, a Buddha cannot do much. The same is true with a teacher, with a uh, corporate leader, uh, a psychotherapist. We have to be with Sangha to get the support, to be nourished, to be protected. If you are a school teacher, you need a Sangha also. When you are able to transform your corporation, your institution into a community with harmony, with brotherhood, and then the hope to serve people, to change the world, will become a reality. That's what um, I told Mr. Kim uh, of the World Bank that he should uh, do in such a way that uh, his personals become members of a community, sharing the same kind of, uh, uh, of uh, purpose. 
and we have offer a day of mindfulness at the World Bank. Uh, everyone enjoy sitting, working, uh, eating in mindfulness, and so on. And uh, to me, civilization is going in the wrong direction because we are running away from ourselves, running away from our family and from nature, from Mother Earth. And the best kind of uh, aspiration should be helping humanity to come home to themselves, rebuild the human being, rebuild the family, and protect Mother Earth. And if your corporation uh, think of producing the kind of uh, product that can help us go home to ourselves, restore ourselves, taking care of our family, taking care of nature, and that is uh, the right direction for civilization. Consciousness is a kind of uh, food. First of all, there is uh, the individual consciousness. In individual consciousness uh, reflect also the collective consciousness. And we know that uh, in uh, the Buddhist tradition, we speak of uh, store consciousness and mind consciousness. Consciousness uh, has uh, at least two parts. And down here we we have store consciousness. And up here we have mind consciousness. When you begin to learn driving, you use a lot of mind consciousness. But when driving has become a habit, and then store consciousness will take over. Now you are driving with store consciousness. Why your mind think of this and that? <laughs> and, and store consciousness is very quick. Mind, uh, store consciousness reacts very quickly. If you wait for mind consciousness to react, it's slow, it's too slow. As far as consumption is concerned, mind consciousness consumes a lot. Our our brain consumes a lot of energy. Store consciousness consumes much less. And uh, in our daily life, we use our store consciousness a lot. But when you drive, it's best to use both mind consciousness <laughs> and star consciousness. In the bottom of star consciousness, there are what we call uh, seeds. 
the Sanskrit word is bija. And store consciousness uh, is sometimes called a sat bija, sat bijaka. It means the totality of the of the seeds. We have a seed of mindfulness, concentration, insight, loving kindness, compassion, non-discrimination, many good things down here. And when these seeds are touched and water, they manifest up on the level of mind consciousness and become a mental formation. Down here, it is a seed. Up here, it's called a mental formation. If uh, the seed of compassion is watered, and then it manifests itself up here as energy, the energy of compassion that makes you happy, make you suffer less. And it's good to consume the kind of energy. When the seed of joy or brotherhood manifests up here, they make the landscape of mind consciousness beautiful and you are happy. You are nourished by your own consciousness because there are many good things in your store consciousness. So if, uh, if, uh, if you talk to your partner and you tell, tell him, tell her, Darling, I have many good seeds in me. The seed of understanding, love, compassion, joy. And if you care to water this seed, I'll be happy. Making me happy is easy. And when I'm happy, you are happy too. That is food, good food. But in our store consciousness, there are negative kind of seeds. The seed of craving, of anger, despair, uh, discrimination, and so on. And if uh, one of these seeds uh, manifests on the upper level of our consciousness, and then the landscape is no longer beautiful, when someone is angry, he does not look beautiful. He does not look pleasant. He is consuming his own consciousness. Because consciousness is the totality of the mental formations. When I was a young monk, I had to memorize all the 51 mental formations so that when one of them come up, I should be able to call it by its true name. <laughs> Hello, anger. I know you are a mental formation, and you are a negative mental formation. I will take good care of you.
This morning, Sister Dinh-Nghiêm led us in a meditation concerning the five-year-old boy, five-year-old girl. We might have suffered as a little boy or a little girl. And many of us suffer so much. And there is a dark corner in our store consciousness, a wounded childhood. We may be abused by people, and every time uh, we uh, go back and touch that dark spot, we suffer. And that is not good food. The film of uh, the past is always being projected in that corner. And many of us tend to go back to the corner and watch the film again and again and again and suffer. These materials of consciousness are not healthy to to consume. So if you have a partner who, who used to go back to the past and consume the suffering in the past, you have to help her, to help him. Darling, come out here in the present moment there's a lot of light, a sort of beauty here. There's blue sky, the beautiful mountains, the birds singing, the pine is singing. Why don't, why don't you come here with me? And you take the hand of your beloved one and pull her home to the here and the now. And you can do better. You can help uh, practice in order to transform that dark spot into some, some place that is uh, unlightened. Because it is possible to transform the garbage into a flower. Because suffering and happiness, they are both organic. Happiness, if you don't know how to handle and to nourish, will turn into suffering. And suffering, if you know how to make good use of it, will become happiness again. The love in the beginning may be very beautiful, very precious. But if you don't know how to feed your love, and then maybe one or two years it can turn to be something else like anger or hate. So uh, the practitioner knows how to to nourish his love, her love, so that it will continue for a long time. And if uh, something has become, uh, has degenerated into suffering, and then uh, the practitioner knows how to make good use of the suffering in order to nourish uh, happiness. The way we, uh, we handle uh, our own suffering. There is a deep connection between suffering and happiness. And if we look deeply, we can see that suffering is not totally negative. Suffering can help in many ways. 
we need to suffer some in order to be able to recognize uh, happiness and to know how to nourish happiness. If you have suffer of uh, uh, hunger, you know the happiness of having something to eat. If you have suffer of poor health, and you know how to appreciate good health. In order to, to grow lotus flowers, you need the mud. And th- contemplating the lotus flower, you can see the mud in it. Without the mud, no lotus can be grown. And that is why it is possible to transform suffering into something more positive. And we have learned this right in the beginning of this retreat. We know that uh, when we are able to go home to ourselves and listen to our own suffering, understanding will arise. And together with understanding, compassion will be born. And with understanding and compassion, we no longer suffer because the understanding and compassion are the very foundation of love, of happiness. So it is from the mud that the lotus flower uh, come out. It is from suffering that happiness uh, is born. And that is why we can speak about the goodness of suffering. And the practitioner is not afraid of suffering. She knows how to suffer. That is why she suffers much less. And she knows how to make use of suffering in order to create understanding and compassion. That is why my, my idea of the kingdom of God is, uh, is not a place where there is no suffering. If there is no suffering, there is no happiness either. And uh, in Buddhism, we speak of uh, interbeing. It's like uh, this sheet of paper. It has uh, the left side and the right side. And you cannot take uh, the right out of the left and the left out of the right. Suffering and happiness are like that. It is by understanding suffering that compassion arises. And compassion is the very foundation of love and happiness. Suppose you send your children to a place where there is no suffering. That's not wise. Because in such a place, your child never have a chance to learn how to understand suffering and to be compassionate. He never, he can never grow up as a good human being. He does not know what is suffering, what is understanding suffering, what is compassion and love. So my, my vision of the kingdom of God is not a place where there is no suffering. My definition of the kingdom is a place where people know how to 
make good use of suffering in order to create happiness. You cannot imagine a place where there is a lotus and no mud. The suffering and happiness, they inter are. Without one, the other cannot be, like the left and the right, the above and the below, the inside and the outside. That is the teaching of interbeing. And that is why, uh, as a practitioner, we are not afraid of suffering. We do not consume the dark materials in our consciousness. But we can do better. We can transform these materials of suffering into something more useful. Uh, Compassion, understanding. So not only you can do it for yourself, transform yourself, and you can also help your partner to do the same so that she will not continue to consume the dark uh, matters within her consciousness. That is about individual consciousness. As far as uh, collective consciousness, we know where to go in order to consume the healthy, uh, the healthier kind of energy, collective energy. When you come to a retreat like this, uh, we learn how to take care of our, our, our thinking, our speech, and our action. We want to make sure that what we produce in terms of thinking, uh, uh, talking, and doing will create only uh, peace, uh, harmony, brotherhood, and sisterhood. And when we practice uh, breathing together, working together, we create uh, a collective energy of mindfulness, of peace, of joy, of brotherhood, sisterhood. And that is a good thing to consume. And children, although they don't know anything about uh, store consciousness, mind consciousness, but if you put them into that zone of energy, they feel they feel good in themselves. I remember one Dharma talk in Germany. We had, we had 1,000 people listening to the talk, which is about um, mindful consumption. And in the front row, there were four young mothers nursing their baby. And when I look at the at them, I saw that the babies are getting two kinds of food. <laughs> First is the milk from uh, the mother. The second is the peaceful, compassionate energy in the whole generated by the practice of mindful breathing. And the children, they feel it very well. So if uh, you happen to live in a, in a, in a, in a place, 
in a neighborhood that is full of anger, collective anger and despair. <coughs> there, are many, uh, there are many poor people, suppressed people. They are poor, they are angry, they have a lot of hate. And with the mind, with the speech, with the body, they generate uh, that collective uh, energy of anger, of fear, of hate. It's not good for our health. Even if we, if we do not want to consume, we consume anyway. We adult and children. And if we stay in that neighborhood for a year, we will be like them. Because we are consuming day and night that collective energy of hate and despair and anger. And there are many neighborhoods like that a little bit everywhere. So that is not a good kind of food. Collective consciousness. And being aware of that, you have to pull out as soon as possible to protect yourself and your families. And then you can build a, a good health for you and your family. And you can help build a good health for your community. Community building is very important. And if you have a community full of harmony and brotherhood and compassion, and then you can go back to that neighborhood and help. You cannot go alone, especially when you do not know how to preserve your good health. So if you are a congressman, senator, uh, uh, mayor, you should think about the people in your city, in your country. There are many uh, neighborhoods that is full of violence, anger, and fear. And children, they are consuming that kind of collective energy, and that is not good for themselves and for us. Last month, uh, we spent a few days um, in Harvard University for mindfulness practice. The medical school and the School of Public Health uh, sponsor two days of mindfulness and many psychotherapists uh, and others come and practice with us. And um, the, the dean of the School of uh, Public Health in Harvard University uh, asked me to come and um, for the celebration of the centennial um, occasion and unfortunately, I cannot come this time. But in, during uh, a conversation, uh, question and answer, I did uh, made a proposal for the School of Public Health along the line of the teaching this morning. I said that uh, the School of Public Health can, can set up a health community, build a sangha of health. Faculty, uh, students, uh, 
employees, organizers, they have to consume in such a way these four kinds of nutrients that can make them into an example, an um, uh, uh, ideal uh, community uh, of health. The faculty, students, um, administration, employees, and also the community uh, established by the School of Public Health should uh, be the example, should be the teaching itself. You teach with your way of life. You embody the kind of change that you want. To me, you teach not only in classroom, but you teach by your way of living, of consuming. Mindful consumption is the object of the fifth mindfulness training. And mindful consumption is the way out of our difficult situation. It will help uh, restore the health of our planet and of uh, many species on Earth. And everyone in the community, in the health community, should eat, drink, and entertain them in such a way that can preserve uh, good health. And they have the kind, the four kind of nutrients that can help them uh, to be a real uh, health community. And when people come to learn, first of all, they put themselves in the zone of uh, wholesome energy of peace, brotherhood, sisterhood, happiness, and joy. So, so the community of health, the health community, become an instrument of change. And we don't learn just uh, with our intellect. We learn how to live, how to consume, in order to be um, to be an example for everyone on Earth. In Plum Ridge, we just try to do the same thing. We want to live in such a way uh, that, uh, that can uh, express our, our conviction, our motivation, our volition. Uh, we live in such a way that uh, the environment become uh, healthy. We consume, we buy, uh, we uh, digest, we, uh, we sit, we walk, uh, we work in such a way that um, that uh, will uh, generate only the energy of uh, brotherhood, sisterhood, joy, harmony, uh, compassion. And uh, on that base, uh, we may be able to help other people to do the same. So a school of uh, public health, uh, if it wants to really to uh, change the world, it should transform itself into a health community.
and you teach by your, your example, your way of uh, living. There is a practice called uh, selective watering. You know that you have uh, good things, good materials in your consciousness. You are determined to water only the good seeds in you so that they may have a more chance to manifest up here to nourish you, to make you happy. And you refrain from watering the negative seeds in you, the seed of craving, the seed of anger, fear, despair. And you, and you talk to your partner and ask your partner to do the same. You can sign a peace treaty, a happiness treaty with your partner. And uh, the treaty will go something like this. Both of us have uh, negative seeds. And we should refrain from watering the negative seed in us and in the other person. Darling, you know that I have uh, the seed of anger and fear and jealousy. Every time you water, you say something and water this seed, I, I suffer. And if you really care for me, you would not uh, water these seeds in me. I promise not to water them by myself. And, <laughs> and I ask you not to water them because that is not good food. And I promise that uh, I will not water these seeds in you. And you have to promise that you will not water these seeds in you by yourself. And that is the first uh, thing you agree upon. Not, not to give uh, a negative seed, a chance to manifest up there. That is the teaching of the Buddha. Don't water the, the, the negative seed in you and in the other person. Let, it, let them slip quietly down there. If by chance one of these negative seeds manifests here and then do something in order to help it to help it to go back to its original place as quickly as possible.
And uh, there are at least two ways to do that. Because uh, the practice of meditation should be completely non-violent. You don't try to suppress, to fight it. So uh, your anger is coming up. You use the energy of mindfulness in order to recognize your anger. You embrace tenderly. The zone of energy of mindfulness is good for your anger to, to be in. It's like giving a bath of mindfulness to your anger. And after taking, having taken that path, your anger will lose some of its strength and go back to its original place. No fighting, just embracing. The second way is to ask a seed of the opposite nature to come up. Touch the seed of, uh, of uh, compassion in you, because you do have a seed of compassion in you. Everyone has a seat of compassion. If the seat of compassion uh, has not been watered for a long time, it has become weaker, but it's still there. So a few days of practicing, of practice, watering the seat of compassion will help it to grow stronger. And every time you need the energy of compassion, just touch it. And compassion, we know, how to generate, just recognize the suffering in him or in her, and compassion is born. So when you invite the energy, the seat of compassion to come up, naturally the seat of anger will go down. You don't have to fight. It's like uh, changing the city. You have uh, many kind of many CDs of music, and if it happened that uh, the piece of music you are listening is not good, why, why don't you change the CD? You have many good musics, why continue to listen to that kind of music? So you have so many good things in you, why don't invite one good thing to come up and replace? And that is the second way proposed by the Buddha. Changing city. <laughs> in fact, in the time of the Buddha, there is no there is no city at all. <laughs> the Buddha used the word pack, pack. He said, in the the carpenter knows how to connect two pieces of wood, and he make a hole, and then he, he introduces a pack, and they keep the two pieces of pack together. But if uh, if uh, the pack is not uh, is not good anymore, you have to change the pack. You new you use a new one, and you you push it in, and you take the other out send in the back. That is uh, 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 the word used in the sutra, changing packs. And here we say changing the city, so, so it's uh, more easier to understand. <laughs>
the third aspect of the teaching of the practice is the good things in you give them a chance to manifest. You water the good seeds in you by yourself and you ask your partner to do the same uh, for you. And you ask your partner to water the good seeds in him and you help him to water these kind of seeds. So third is uh, uh, invite, uh, invite the good seed to come up. And uh, happiness and joy can come very quickly. You don't have to practice for a long time. You say something, maybe one minute or less, and you touch the seat of happiness, joy, compassion in the other person, and you transform him or her right away, and you profit right away. And uh, the fourth, the fourth uh, aspect of the teaching, the practice, is when a good seed come up here and make the landscape of the mind beautiful, keep it there as long as possible. <laughs> keep as long as possible. If you are able to keep the seat of uh, compassion up here for one hour, and then on the grass root down here, it has the chance to grow for one hour. So if you can entertain the mental formation of, uh, of uh, compassion here, five hours down here, it has five powers to grow. That is the transformation of the base. And if you allow the seed of anger to stay too long here, down here it will grow. So a person can be, can be angry 10 times more than 10 years ago because the seed of anger in him has been watered repeatedly day after day. So this is uh, the practice um, offered by the Buddha and the name of practice is uh, true uh, right diligence. diligence. Diligence does not mean that you have to, to labor a lot, to, to struggle a lot. With intelligence, you just water the good seed and refrain from watering the negative seeds and transformation and healing can come very quickly to you and to the other person.